Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. Today I'm continuing a series on what to do with your kids over summer to keep them mentally healthy and to keep yourself mentally healthy and to improve your resilience. And today I'm going to be talking about something that's very logical that I know that you know about, but I just really want to stress this and give you some more tips and research behind spending time outdoors. Well, we don't spend enough time outdoors. The average, I've got the stats right here, the average American child spends four to seven minutes a day in unstructured play outdoors and over seven hours in front of a screen. Okay, so that's, I have to say that again, seriously. The average American child spends four to seven minutes a day in unstructured play outdoors, but over seven hours in front of a screen during the day, in any one day. So four to seven minutes versus seven hours. I mean, that is definitely not healthy. And that's definitely, there's all kinds of research showing that. It's definitely contributing to mental health issues. There's so many causes contributing to mental health issues, but this is one major cause. And that we can really, it's an easy thing to fix. And in addition to that, to help you, I have my new book coming out, which is to help you as parents help your children with their mental health. And it's filled with all kinds of ideas that you could do outdoors and indoors to help you help your child manage their mental health. So it's called How to Help Your Child Clean Up Their Mental Mess, A Guide to Building Resilience and Managing Mental Health. And you'll see a lot of my tips in here are about do some of the, do this stuff outside or just get outside and play in an unstructured way. I mean, seven hours in front of a screen versus four to seven minutes in unstructured play outside, that's just not enough time. So what is the best amount of time to spend outside? Well, I scanned the research, looked all over the place, and I don't even like saying this, but at least 20 minutes absolute minimum a day is pretty much essential for children to spend outside. So if 20 minutes is the minimum, but the ideal is in the region of around two to three hours a day. So somewhere between 10, 20 minutes on the really low end and two to three hours is kind of the ideal. Four to seven minutes, that's definitely enough, not enough time. And I mean, what is that doing in, the, in terms of the psychoneurobiology, the mind-brain-body connection? Because you don't want to just talk about the brain. We want to talk about, because the brain on its own does nothing. The brain works because the mind drives the brain. And the brain and body collectively drive the body. So brain and body health is dependent on mental health. And being outside, which is the focus of this particular podcast, plays a massive role in the psychobiological network, improving how it functions. So the mind is all these gravitational fields. So when we're outside, electromagnetic fields and electromagnetic and gravitational fields function in a healthier way. Not that they don't function in a healthier way inside, but they get a boost, a, like a regenerative boost when you're outside in nature and you connect with all the beautiful sounds and sights and smells and energy of nature. It's good for the mind. The mind is embodied. So that mind, the experience of the mind then processes this healthy flow of beautiful sounds, images, fresh air, oxygen, greenery, playing with the dogs, the movement, all that, all that stuff, the water, the sounds, all of that into the brain. And then that creates a beautiful, healthy quantum energy response in the brain, beautiful neurochemical flow in the brain, 
improves the genetic response of the brain, which then also influences the health of the body. It's, it's the influence on our health of our psychoneurobiology when you go outside is very much around restoration and paying attention. So if you've been told that your child has got ADHD or can't pay attention, first of all, ADHD is not a thing. ADHD is a description of behaviors. Okay. And so, and one of those descriptions of those when, and under that cluster of behaviors are things like battling to pay attention. Now, before we just immediately accept a label that actually is not scientific because it's not actually an it, it's a description, a category description, and then it's got sub descriptions underneath it. So before we just accept that, which in itself is not good for the mind brain body connection, for the person's feeling of empowerment, identity, et cetera, et cetera. Before, we, we need to also focus on the fact that the attention aspect of that is something that we need to question why a child is battling with attention. So that plays a big role in this. But in order to try and sort of normalize and see, hey, let's get some neutral ground here and let's get a way of seeing if the attention problem that my child has is being, I've been told by the teacher that my child has at school. Let's try and neutralize and bring some natural sort of healing to the focus and the tension by going into nature. So going into nature, spending more time in nature and observing your child in nature and how they function outside. Even if it's outside in your garden, even if you don't have a forest or a park or something very close by you, but just getting outside on your patio, your balcony if necessary, seeing how they pay attention in that situation and how that helps that, how they focus in that situation and having conversations with them and getting them to read stories and that kind of thing. Seeing how they respond in that situation is a great way for you to judge how the, what their attention is really like and also to help restore so maybe they've been inside so much and been so stressed out that they haven't had enough time. So in order to try and get this restoration, this regeneration energy flowing back into the mind-brain-body connection, we go outside. And what research is showing is that seeing a green space for even just a few moments gives the brain and mind and body a chance to restore attention and reduce mental fatigue. So if a child's in a classroom and they're really battling to focus and concentrate, that's going to create a lot of mental fatigue. And then there's all the emotional stuff that goes with that. And that impacts on the behaviors and their perspective. And this whole cycle of signal starts and that creates a lot of mental fatigue. And that this is happening on a very conscious level. And our conscious level gets very tired very quickly. And our brain gets very tired very quickly. So by going outside into a green space, even just for a few moments, helps to give the brain-mind-body connection a chance to restore attention and reduce that mental fatigue. So there's like really huge main benefits, obviously being in the sun, vitamin D and all the things that we know. But what really is, is what I want to really hone in on is the, it's kind of like almost a way of when your cell phone is starting to die and you plug in your cell phone, it's restoring the energy back into the cell phone. That's that's what going outside is doing. Now, if you think of it, it's logical because you outside you breathing fresh air. I know some air is very polluted, so you may be asking that question. And yes, that is a challenge. So this is why we want to try and get into green spaces as much as possible to try and get your child to the park, make an effort to get them to that park, to the local library where there's maybe a little playground or something like that. Get into a friend's garden if you don't have a garden or if you're in a 
if you're in an apartment block, get out to the pool area and play around. So get into a green space as much as possible. You're breathing in oxygen. that, And you are obviously in a room too, but it's fresh oxygen. And if you guess when you're outside, take a few deep breaths, you're going to get a boost of oxygen through your cells. And it's really great if you can teach your child when they get out into that open space to really work on their breathing. And there's so many, as we know, so many different ways that you can breathe. You can just be, they could just be breathing in and out for three counts or just deep breaths. It doesn't even have to be counted. I mean, they can just. Walk around like that for a couple of seconds and just, you know, as they step into being outside, just. Remind them, okay, let's do a few deep breaths. Let's just get this oxygen boost into our brain. And every now and then while they're playing, just... And then as they're walking around and playing, just think of how the fact of how you, they, it's what we, could, what we would call soft, sort of soft attention, where they are noticing the, you know, the smells and the sounds and the sunlight and the maybe it's cloudy or a little bit of rain and these nature sounds and they notice things and these different textures and feelings, that's all kind of very relaxing. And that then enables what the churning thoughts that are inside and the churning energy from whatever's going on in the child's life is can it has a chance to just kind of calm down. So the neurophysiology is calming it down. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So outside, the breathing, and then just enjoying the moment is you kind of half focusing on what's going on around you in nature and that then allows the internal thoughts and so on to bubble up and that's a way of helping a child to bring to the surface something that's perhaps worrying them at school that you need to talk about or just maybe not even necessarily on on a detoxing side of trying to fix a problem it could just be creativity just purely Oh, thinking of ideas and thinking of games to play and thinking about that book they read and thinking of that conversation with their friend. All these thoughts just start bubbling up from the inside. So research shows that there's a consistent and systematically positive relationship between nature exposure and student performance in the way that it improves voluntary attention, voluntary attention versus involuntary attention. So there is a consistent and systematically positive. So it's, it's there all the time and it's, it's positive and it's, it, there's a relationship consistently and systematically between how much nature per, a child has and how they perform in the classroom. So nature consistently helps a child perform better in the classroom. Okay. And in the way, and it works on our voluntary and our involuntary attention. So our voluntary attention is this deliberate 
attention that you're paying like now when you're listening to me. You are focused on, you know, what I'm saying. You're deliberately aware of what I'm saying. But let's say that while you're listening to me, a bird flutters by because you may be sitting outside. Now, you're aware of the bird fluttering by, but you're not aware. But then, So that's involuntary attention. And that's happening on the non-conscious level. So there's this huge amount of stuff that's going on on the involuntary attention in the background. Voluntary attention is what you are consciously and deliberately focusing on. And that's quite tiring. And when we consciously and deliberately focus for long periods of time without taking breaks, we get that mental fatigue. And if we push through that, we'll get even more mental fatigue. And that's going to change the neurophysiology in our brain and our body and make us feel worse. And that can lead to attention problems and getting a little hyperactive. And because you get this turn, turning of energy inside of you, and, and all it can lead to feeling very flat and lacking in energy. And, and if that's a persistent pattern, and builds up over time, that's not good. So if a child's not getting outside enough during the school day or in the afternoon, this can become a build-up, like a build-up of this energy inside that doesn't get a chance to restore, and it, it becomes very draining instead of very uplifting, and that can make you feel worse. So our voluntary attention can be can be distracted by what's going on in my head and what's going on around me. So when we are paying a focused attention, we can get distracted and the, the distractions can come from what's going on around me. So there's noises and you're in the classroom and you're distracted by the person next to you and distracted by the sound, the, what how your teacher's speaking or a color that catches your eye or books on the shelf or whatever it may be. And then the also by the thoughts coming up in your head as a teacher speaking, maybe you're thinking of that triggers a thought and you're thinking of what you want to, what you ate for breakfast or what you want to do or how that person in front of you, you know, took your pencil and whatever. These, these thoughts, so you can get distracted by what's coming up inside of you from the unconscious to the conscious and you can get distracted by what's around you. Now, the more fatigued we are, the more those will become a problem, the more they, they create chaos. But by handling our mental fatigue, we can then learn to recognize when we're getting distracted by what's coming up and what's around us and we can redirect our attention become focused again on what we're supposed to be focusing on but if you are not getting outside enough and not managing your toxic thoughts all the other things that i've said not pre-play all the things that i've been telling you about in my in my podcast and the things that i talk about in this book but a quick boost to help this is getting outside so getting outside really does help a person when they're distracted by the things coming up and the things outside, by having regular outside time, and the more the better, you are going to be able to restore your focus back to the voluntary, in a, to the voluntary attention, to the deliberate and voluntary intentional stuff that you need to focus on, the voluntary attention more readily. It's going to be easier to do. But the less time you spend outside, the, the more difficult that is. And you can just hear what I'm saying. If you're living the current lifestyle that children do live, where they are four to seven minutes outside and seven up to seven hours in front of a screen and not getting outside for enough recess time or playing outside enough at home on structured activities and helicopter parenting and all the things I've been speaking about, you're going to have a child who's going to battle with attention and erroneously labeled and diagnosed with something that is not even a real disease. It's not a disease. It's actually just a response to situations. Now, please... Take, please, I just want to say a caveat over here that I worked for years with children that were described as having ADHD, ADD, and learning disabilities. But the core part when I worked with them was to try to find out why they were battling with their attention and why they were battling with schoolwork. And very often it came down to a few things. 
Now, obviously, it came down to a few things. And those things were things like not getting enough time outside, too much structured and not enough unstructured play, too busy, too many things, diet, not enough exercise, toxic issues going on at school or at home or both that were not managed. You know, the combination of factors, there's always a context around everything. And we have to look at all of those before we just label and medicate. So there are people that have genuine learning disabilities. They battle the things like dyslexia and, and generally do battle to really pay attention. So you have to work then harder at trying to help that person to be able to manage that situation. Sometimes children really do battle to know how to learn. So you can teach a child how to learn. So for years, this is what I would do as part of my practice. But one of the things that I always recommended, and you've heard me say this before, top of my prescription pad was read, 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 read. And next thing's unstructured play, free play as much as possible, and then get outside. And when I say get outside, don't work outside. Make outside the place the, the fun stuff. Because if you try and, you know, have lessons outside and that kind of thing that are more very focused lessons, you're going to be so distracted by all the beautiful things of nature because outside is where we restore, where we relax, where we unwind. So deliberate focused intention is better to have within your schoolwork environment, within the classroom, within your your dining room or wherever your child does their homework. And then when they have the little breaks, the mental breaks, that's when you go outside to restore. Also things like reading outside is fantastic because that just stimulates creativity and imagination and that kind of thing as well. So doing the fun stuff, the free unstructured play and the reading and just walking around outside, just chilling, just hanging out, just sitting on the stairs is fantastic. You know, sometimes I'll be in the studio of mine for hours doing podcasts and I make sure though the hours I can spend sometimes up to eight to nine hours a day in here. And I make sure, though, that every 45 minutes to 60 minutes, I go outside and just sit down on our patio with the sunshine, just have something to drink, play with my dogs, and just let my mind rest and daydream. And you've heard me talk about this before. And and that is extremely important for that restoring and to prevent that mental fatigue and to bring my attention and focus back again. And this is what we need to do for our children as well. So researchers have showed that being outside helps us get more focused in a softly, I love the way that um, the one, this one researcher, Sullivan, says, being outside helps us to be more focused in a softly, fascinated way so we can gently think about the things that bubble up in our minds. Beautiful statement. So let me read that again. I think it's beautiful. Being outside helps us to be more focused in a softly, fascinated way. So not this deep focus that we need for our schoolwork or our work or whatever we're doing. But it's the break, it's the rest. So we're going from the deliberate and intentional, very softly focused way where we can gently think about the things that bubble up as we're enjoying walking around in nature. And this this is what's going to help us restore us when we're exhausted, overwhelmed and overstimulated. So if you think of a child who is not getting enough outside time and is not managing their toxic thoughts, is not getting enough structured, uh, um, free unstructured play and so on, and is being bombarded by whatever toxic issues at school or at home or a combination of both, they're going to feel overwhelmed and overstimulated and exhausted. And this is going to affect, put them into the toxic stress response, which is going to constrict the arteries. It will reduce blood flow to the brain. It will reduce oxygen to the brain. This leads to a disruption of the gravitational fields of the mind, of the balance of the two sides of the brain. And this is going to lead to a disruption in how a person's feeling of sense of peace is and that's very fatiguing it's exhausting 
you know, so once again, just going out in nature when you just, like, everything's too much, you really need to decompress, getting outside is just going to help so much to decompress. Do you have a summer anthem? How does this one sound? Summertime and building credits easy. That's the song you can be singing all summer long with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, a better way to build credit. As in, you can build your credit score safely with everyday purchases and on-time payments. Plus, there's no annual fee, interest or credit check to get started. You can use it everywhere Visa Credit Cards are accepted and build credit using your own money. With Chime, you can access 60,000 plus free fee ATMs. That's more than the top three national banks combined. And you can easily find one near you with the Chime app. Start building your credit up now. Open a Chime checking account with at least $200 qualifying direct deposit to get started. Get started at chime.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. That's chime.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Stride Bank, NA member FDIC, Chime checking account and $200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. On-time payment history may have a positive impact on your credit score. Late payments may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary. The link and details will be in the show notes. Now, Sullivan calls this, Sullivan's one of the researchers, Dong Yong Ling, William Sullivan. And you see there's a couple of other people that are really great in this, in this. Mark Berman, University of Chicago. I've got these links. They'll be in the blog. So if you subscribe to our email list, you'll be able to find this in my blog, these links. Basically, they are saying that Getting uh, that this this concept of getting out into green space and helping to restore and this balance of our attention is called attention restoration theory. I love it. So it's the attention being restored when we have these little little breaks. So tremendous benefits when we get outside. We've already mentioned so much attention restoration being restored, blood flow, oxygen changes in how the brain functions, changes in how the body functions, changes even down to the level of our DNA. In addition, we're going to have improved motor development, even improved myopia, that's nearsightedness risk. So there's a risk for myopia. Being outside can help with your eyes to prevent and to help improve short-sightedness. Obviously, we know about the vitamin D that we need to stay strong and healthy. It can help to reduce depression, oxygen, blood flow, and etc. Everything changes with sunlight, increased vitamin D. All of that neurophysiology change can help lift your spirits and help you feel so much more, so much better that you can, you know, be, be calmer and more sense, greater sense of peace, an overall sense of improved health. And I'm not overall sense, actually overall improved health when you spend time outside. And this is not the four to seven minutes. This is in the range of 20 to two to three hours. And the 20 minutes should not be our, you know, if you think of it like this, minimum 20 up to two to three hours, ideal two to three hours. If you could try and aim for two to three hours, at least three to five times a week, and then have 20 minutes as your minimum on the other days, then we are starting to move towards a really healthy balance. So if your child is at four to seven minutes, you know, today, try time it or tomorrow, whenever you're listening to this podcast, you'll get the next chance, you know, take your kids out for and your kids for a walk and walk for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. At least you've been outside for that period of time. Also, when you're walking with your children outside, those gentle thoughts will start bubbling up, the soft, the soft attention, the soft focus that we were speaking about 
what we call it the soft, softly fascinated way, where our, what Sullivan says, how our attention shifts to being softly fascinated. Beautiful. That happens when we're outside walking. And that's going to improve overall health. The, also, the, another factor is that the more child spends time in nature, the more they will grow to be good stewards of nature because they'll appreciate it so much. And we need that people to be environmentally aware. Also, children, when they play outside, I did a whole podcast as one of the summer, summer part of the summer series on unstructured free play. Children play a lot more creatively and imaginatively outdoors than they do indoors because they'll be more creative and curious and think more critically and are more focused, which is excellent for brain health. So it's really developing tremendous skills quickly. So we want unstructured play, which we've which I've spoken about in previous podcasts, but we want unstructured play outside as well, not just inside. That play outside increases curiosity, reasoning, problem solving, critical thinking, all um, intelligence. It gets a boost, which then adding to the creative, the unstructured creative play is just fantastic for mental and physical health, building resilience, psychological immunity, all the things that you hear me speak about. So do the work inside and take the breaks outside. So Let's get away from spending four to seven minutes behind screens. Let's take stock. I challenge you to take stock of yourself, of your stock of yourself, of how you are spending, how much time you're spending outside and how much you're spending on screens. Just observe that in yourself, observe that in your children and see if you can get that up to between 20 minutes minimum a day to at least two to three hours, three to five times a week. And I'm telling you, you are going to feel such a difference in your focus and your attention and just how you generally feel mood-wise, physically and everything. So getting your kids outside is absolutely excellent to do this. I mean, just a couple of ideas you can, for babies, the earlier we get them outside, the, the better to, to the, the better. So in their, in their bassinets, in their little prams, on the beach, we were on the beach the other day and, and there was this newborn baby. I mean, this baby could not have been more than like a two weeks old, if that. And it would, the mom and dad were sitting there and this baby was in this cute little rocking thing and it was just gently in the shade. It wasn't too hot, but just being with the sound of the sea and the seagulls and the chattering in the background of people and this baby was so calm and the baby started crying. The mom rocked the baby a little bit. The wind gently blew the little rocker so it was naturally rocking. I mean, this is great. Get your kids outside. And I know you do that, but you know what? This is really healthy from as young as possible. Yes, if it's cold weather, you know, there's all kinds of great ways that we can cover up our children to keep them warm, but still have their little noses sticking out so they can have a few moments when it's not too cold to get outside as much as possible. Maybe it's in an area that's a little bit more enclosed and there's lots of plants so you can get the benefit of being around greenery. Obviously, you know, make things, obvious things like bike riding, get your kids bikes, Go bike riding. I remember when we, we've got four kids and I remember when they're little, they were little, we, you know, Mac and I had bikes. We got bikes for them as they were, obviously as they were getting older. But when they were little, we just put the little seats on the back and we would put them on the back and we would, you know, ride to go for long bike rides and then stop and have a picnic. Camping, hiking. I mean, I hate camping, but you know what? Kids love camping. And if you camp for like, if you, you know, that's just an idea. If you love it, do there's so many ways. Picnics, throw the ball outside, play with the dogs. I mean, these are so logical, simple things, but build them in deliberately and intentionally. Building things out of branches and leaves and mud, sure, it's going to make a mess and your kids will be filthy, but it's so good for them. You know, after a day, I remember when my kids were little and we, li we lived on this big property and they would go outside and be digging in. They were filthy by the time they came back in, but they had built all these forts and they had spent hours. I would watch them sometimes and see they, like hours, they'd 
they were just playing this game in the grass and outside and came back inside so so much calmer and happier. And if they were having, a, if four siblings do fight and if they were having an argument, we would always take them outside and let them just calm down and have a little space in the garden and restore their, their neurophysiology. I'm, I'm sure you've done the same thing. Get, give them your pots and pans to play outside or old pots and pans or buy a bunch of stuff that you might don't mind that's old or your old stuff that you're throwing out, keep it that the kids can safely play with it outside. Read stories outside. Beautiful thing. Let them lie there and let the sun shine on them or cuddled up in their jacket if it's cold and you know, maybe even holding an umbrella and reading under the umbrella. Take breaks in nature. Work inside and then take the breaks outside. Well, I hope this has helped you and I hope this has encouraged you to increase the time that you spend outside from four to seven minutes to at least 20 minutes to two to three hours. I'm stressing this. I can't stress it enough. This is so important for your brain, your child's brain, and will make your summer a lot more fun. Thanks for joining me today. If you've enjoyed if this, if this, thanks for listening to this podcast. And if it's helped you, I hope you wouldn't mind sharing this with other people to help them help themselves. You know, we really need to deal with this mental health crisis and you know, it's really got, I don't have to tell you how bad it is. And I'm doing everything in my power to help you and I together to, to help change this mental health crisis. And it begins with us doing all these little things in a very deliberate way and also teaching our child how to actually deliberately and intentionally work through mental health crises. So the book that I'm releasing on the 8th of August is to How to Help Your Child Clean Up Their Mental Mess. It's available for pre-order now. And there's all kinds of great pre-order bonuses that come with the book, but there's just so many great ideas in here for helping you to help your child manage their mental mess. I teach you the neurocycle, how to do the neurocycle with your child in a super simple way. So if you're dealing with something with your child and it's really hectic, maybe this is, you could do the neurocycle outside so you can go and calm them down and then you could focus in on, in, in a very calm and peaceful way on working through maybe something that's really upset them at school, like maybe someone was fighting with them or something. And so that's another opportunity for you to go outside or you could go outside, get them nice and calm, come back inside, do the neurocycle and take them back outside again. You can do whatever combination. And I know this book's filled with things that are going to help you. We also have a character called Brainy that I created and the cartoon Brainy is throughout this book. And this is Bra- Brainy is going to help you and your child walk the mental health journey. I've got all this brainy with all the trees. I've given you uh, all the thought trees and I've given you ways of how you can use brainy to help you and your child understand how thoughts are trees and how you're healing the roots. And so, you know, going into nature, you can go and then look for the beautiful trees and look for the toxic trees and look for the roots. And I find myself always looking at the roots of trees and saying, oh, wow, that root really shows how things are interconnected and how that toxic thought led to that toxic thought. And, oh, that tree really represents how I'm feeling. So it's a great way that you could go outside and say, which of the trees here is how you're feeling at the moment? And which of the trees here shows what you feel like in your in your body, and which of these trees here show how you are, you know, how you're behaving at the moment? And maybe there's a tree that kind of is broken and it's blowing in the wind, and they choose that, and and they go after that and say, "I'm feeling like like this tree's broken and blowing all over the place." And that's giving you great information, and it's safe, and it's helping them to really go into a place of peace where they can then work through stuff inside of themselves. Well, I hope this has helped you. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to speaking to you next time. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter 
where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leith. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.